2: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight
1: loss.
0: What's up everyone? Welcome back for another very special edition of Collider Dailies. You not only have me and Steve today. But you have a guest, a very cool guest. We have Grant Singer, the director behind *Reptile*, one of Netflix's hottest movies right now. My God, first feature and big winner on Netflix. Congratulations, Grant! Thank
2: you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: So, Steve, I believe you're kicking us off here,
2: right? Yeah, I was going
1: to say I'm going to start with the first question. So, uh, for people who are not uh, uh, who do not have the number one movie on Netflix. Um, I'm just curious, what is it like actually having the number one film for three consecutive weeks?
2: It's surreal. I mean, I think actually it wasn't until the, the weekend the movie was released. Um, did I really have even like a remote grasp on like the global impact of Netflix? I was getting messages in languages I don't even understand about like how much the movie moved them and how much people connected with it. And that to me was like something that I, I didn't fully understand until like the movie had been out. Just like their reach. Like this is like not just like a movie that has like, oh, the movies and theaters around the world. I mean, it's like anyone who has a TV, not anybody, but a lot of people have TV have a Netflix account. So just the like this the the sheer scope, um, and volume of the amount of people that it reaches is, is pretty surreal. Um, so I think, I think surreal is the right answer.
0: Sounds like an appropriate word to use. I'll just preface this question by telling everybody this is going to be a spoiler-free interview until we say otherwise. So you are in a safe place until we give you a very, very clear warning if you have not watched Reptile. But I'm going to risk it with this question, Grant. So given, given the widespread reaction to this movie, is there anything in particular that surprised you about an audience's response to the film, like unexpected interpretations or little details that people picked up on that you didn't think they would?
2: So someone had sent me these like um, Twitter threads of like people reading into every little thing. And some of them I was like – some of them actually was like, okay, they're actually catching on to things that we were doing with the film, which I was like really pleased with. I'm like, oh, these people are very thoughtful and considerate in their sort of you know experience of the movie. And then other things I was like, wow, I didn't even think about that. So there's a lot of like almost new theories or new sort of people sort of putting t- things together in their own head. That to me, I, again, like I – it's not that I didn't think about it, like what how people were going to r- sort of respond to the movie and interact with the movie, but again, it's like it, there's always surprises as to sort of what people latch on to certain things in the script or certain things in the filmmaking, be mirror, mirroring, you know, I'm not talking about the actual use of mirrors in the movie, but like the mirroring sort of how things are parallel throughout the movie. But I think just the, the manner in which people really sort of um, – Got into the intricacies of all the little details throughout the movie that I think really surprised me.
0: There's one little uh, rabbit hole that I went down, and I'm going to save it for the spoiler section. But I'm very curious if this is like a legitimate thing that you thought to do. Okay, so I'll cool. Just tease that for later.
2: Okay, excited.
1: Uh, I'm I'm so curious. Uh, it's hard to sometimes get meetings in Hollywood, but once your movie comes out and people like it and it's doing well, that can change. So, what have the last few weeks been like for you in terms of like? people wanting to meet you or discuss what you want to do next uh, because the movie is, you you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. The, the people who've seen the movie who've liked it, you know, I've had some meetings with and, you know, mostly we talk about the movie sort of what, you know, what it was like to make it. And, you know, I think there's always, once you make your first film, people are just curious about like, not just the movie that you made, but like, what do you want to do in the future? You know, it's like, do you want to make something similar? You know, are you looking to make, a similar sort of crime thriller are you looking to do something different like what kind of projects whether they have something or do i have an original idea that i was sort you know and that i would want to go out with things like that and also it's just trying to i think most of the meetings are like just getting to know me or like you know like getting a sense of like okay who's the person that directed the movie um and yeah i think certainly once you make a movie you have there's more opportunities to like just Broaden your horizon in terms of the matter, you know, whether it be studios or producers or actors, I've actually had had that was also surprising actors reaching out to me, how much they enjoyed the movie and wanted to sort of talk. And I was with an actor yesterday who I really loved. And, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, the actor meetings are, are really special because at the end of the day, I think the actor director relationship is Probably the most sacred relationship when making a movie. You know, at the end of the day, you can be super talented as a director, but if 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 what you're seeing on screen isn't you know moving or emotional or powerful, then you know it, it's it's hard to make something compelling. So I'm I I love meeting actors and hearing what they're interested in doing and um, what their thoughts of the movie were. So. So certainly the actor meetings are very cool too. I have to do.
0: I love that mentality about working with actors.
1: I have to do a follow-up. So what have you been telling people in these meetings in terms of what you want to do next?
2: Well, it depends on the, it depends on the meeting, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not cagey. I'm not like concealing anything. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing something that I, I, I would like to do, but I'm also open to doing other things, but like. I don't want to like be super prescriptive and say, this is what my next movie is, or this is what I want to do. I want to be open and like here, you know, every meeting is different. And, and, um, and uh, a lot of times people can sort of surprise you with a story at the end of the day. Like sometimes you might hear a story, like something might happen to you. Like you might hear a story like, wow, I didn't think that would be something that I would be, you know, want to pursue or a movie that you would want to see, for example. But then all of a sudden it kind of like strikes you and you can't stop thinking about it. So I just want to be open to sort of, you know, um, what, you know, what might come my way? And um, yeah, I think that's really the, the right answer.
0: So we, ju- we jumped like way ahead without talking about your background, given that this is your first feature. A lot of our viewers are likely first going to get to know you via this interview, via this movie. So first, I wanted to ask you, uh, I guess, kind of to pick your favorite child of all your music videos. Do you have an absolute favorite? Like if everyone left this interview and watched just one, which one would you want them to watch?
2: That's a great question. I would say, um, the weekend call out my name. It's the, it's the last video I did for Abel. and um, at that time I'd already made five or six, maybe seven music videos from him I can't remember. but I felt like we were really, you know, vibing well creatively, and it felt like I felt free. He felt free as an artist, Our collaboration was great. I like the way it looks visually. I like the compositions. I like how presentational it is. It's sort of like I'm doing sort of like kind of Mark romantic photographic things in there. I love the color palette. I just, I just enjoyed also the experience of making that project, you know, like it was visually aggressive. Um, it was just, it was just a fun thing, you know, it was just a good time making that video, that video.
0: A solid choice. I've grown a little obsessed with uh, Red Hearse over the years, so I feel like I would veer towards that one. That one and Half Love. You got to watch both. <laughs>
2: I like I like those. I love Jack Antonoff. Shout out Jack, who you know is Red is one of the guys in Red Hearse, and I love making those videos. That was like I met Jack through working with Ella, who goes by Lord, um, when I was doing Greenlight, the first video I did for her. And we became pals. And so he hit me up and said, hey, I got this side project. you want to make a video? And we've stayed close ever since. I, I loved making those videos, too. Those were good. Those were fun ones.
0: Work with some really cool people. All right, Steve, you want to take us into Reptile? Uh,
1: sure, what the hell? I heard I might have some questions. Um, so I think that for a lot of people, so this is your feature debut. And how much did you debate uh, what you wanted to do with your feature? And why was Reptile the thing that ended up getting made?
2: I knew I wanted to make a crime thriller. I think like a sort of contemporary noir. These are movies, you know, in the similar vein that have, I think, have have stuck with me the most throughout my life um, as a student of film and loving movies. And I felt like with your first, you know, movie, you want to, you're not just trying to make a good movie, but you're also trying to like convey who you are as a filmmaker. And there was this sort of unnerving, suspenseful tone with a little bit of warmth and playful and levity just felt like the right kind of movie to make as my first film. And then um what was the second part of the question? Uh I don't remember. I think it was basically okay. <laughs> but it just felt it felt like the right this just felt like the right you know movie to make. I mean it, it's it's I, I really approach um directing and and even just like what we were talking about go back to your earlier question which is like what do you want to do next, right? Like everything is intuitive. I don't want to be super intellectual or cerebral in terms of like how I want, like what I want to do with, this is what I want to do. It's like, I want to be very open and liberate. And I think artistically as a, I guess, as as a person who's growing as a filmmaker and wanting to do new things, being open, right. Is, is, is also a really important part of that same facet of being creative. It's not, you know, for me being really hard in, in terms of you know, that kind of mentality is not something that I think yields the right kind of results for me personally, you know?
0: Mm, totally makes sense. Going back to the, the music videos a little bit, because you've had so much success in that realm, is it easy to convince the necessary parties to give you the okay to direct a feature? Or is it a situation where you have to convince them like, I'm good at this, but I can do this as well?
2: I would, I actually think unfortunately you have to start from scratch. Like uh, certainly you you get your foot in the door, like, okay, listen, I can direct. Meaning like I can direct something visual, but I, I think unfortunately there's a um, there's a negative uh perception with music video directors, like, oh you're just like a music video director. Like it's not serious. It's it's for some reason, again, I come from the generation of like looking up to people like Fincher and Spike Jones and Mark Romanic and Michelle Gondry and you know Chris Cunningham and Hype Williams and all those guys. Um, so I, I knew at a young age, like, well, there was a path forward, even subconsciously. Like if I were to make music videos and maybe one day I get, might, might make the opportunity to like prove myself as a director of music videos. And then maybe I can get with the right script or whatever can make a movie. Um, when you go in that room, like these pitch meetings, it's, it's, they're really just kind of looking as a, again, I, I can't speak for everyone, but in, in my instance, it's like, okay, does this guy have a vision? Is he going to be good with actors, right? As a producer or a studio, it's like you might be the most talented director ever visually, but if you can't like articulate your vision and also seem collaborative, there's all these like different personality traits. Again, you would have to ask a producer what those specifically are, but I'm just, I'm just assuming it's the idea when you're a director, you have to like um you're you're really the like the ultimate communicator on set. You have to communicate to hundreds of people what your vision is work very economically and quickly um, and not be overly precious about certain things, you know, especially on your first film, because you don't have that, like you don't have as much leverage. Um, so in that, in that pitch process, they're really as much, it's, it's less and about like, what is the movie you want to make? And more like, who are you? Is this someone that like, I want to invest X amount of dollars into this project because a lot of projects succeed, but a lot of projects don't. So it's – and I can also speak on behalf of Benicio on that first meeting I had with him. He had so many questions, right, like about the movie, like so many questions about what my vision was. But I could tell minute 45 it was less about the movie and more about him trying to figure me out. Right, because as a direct, as an actor, you're really—I don't care how talented you are—if you're in the hands of a a director, right—and like they could mismanage your performance, they might have a very different vision of what the movie is versus what your vision is. So he was very much trying. Again, I can't speak for him, but my perception of that meeting was he was trying to get a sense of who I was as a person and as a director, what kind of director I would be on your first movie, right? So it's a—it's a lot of like, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of like them sensing out, okay. This guy, Grant, he's made a lot of music videos. We know he's got sort of a visual thing, but how is that going to translate into a narrative thing? And and again, I don't care how persuasive you are in the room. Once you're on set, it's, that's really the ultimate test, you know?
1: Speaking of Benicio, um, you, he co-wrote this screenplay, um, which is the first time he's gotten a credit like that. So what, What surprised you about working with him as a screenwriter? What did he bring to the table?
2: You know, Benicio is so um, thoughtful about every little detail, right? As an actor, I think, again, I don't approach film as an actor. I approach it, you know, from a more objective perspective, being behind the camera. Um, But as an actor, you have to inhabit these characters. And he's had decades and decades of doing incredible movies, inhabiting brilliant very varied characters. So he thinks about stories from within, right? From within a story, from within a character, really from a very complex, three-dimensional way in a holistic way. Um, So he brings a lot of consideration, passion, and thoughtfulness into every little beat, right? Of the movie, not just from his character, but also through the storytelling. Um, And it was a, it was a very rewarding process. The whole experience was, was pretty amazing. And also just having the time, you know, I, I can't even imagine going to set, right? And your first movie, and you don't have much uh, time ahead of time with the, with the, your lead actor, right? Like, you, maybe you've had a couple meetings, you've, you know, whatever. But that would be a very different experience than the one I had, which, like, by the time we were rolling, I had, we had this endless amount of conversations about the movie. We really got to know each other as people. So there was a comfort level that was, I think, very benef- beneficial for the final product, which was the film familiarity of not feeling um insecure in any way you know in your role like it was it was I felt very comfortable with him communicating with him and I think vice versa for him you know
0: and then you obviously uh cast uh Alicia just so you could make an excess baggage reunion right
2: Well, it's funny, he was his suggestion um, to cast Alicia when we were talking about that during that casting process, he brought her name up. And I thought that was so inspired. And again, he had known her for so long. And having worked with her, he just clearly knew that she could inhabit the role in a beautiful way. And I loved that. I thought it was such an inspired idea. And then once we talked to her over Zoom, it was just kind of it felt inevitable. It felt like just a totally right decision. I'm so glad it worked out.
0: She's crushing it lately. I feel like in recent years, but this year in particular, seeing uh, this and Perpetrator back to back, I'm like, you, like you are the coolest. Like, keep swinging big and doing bold projects because I'm very much here for it.
2: I am too, and I'm, it's funny. Like the, the a week or two after the movie came out, we saw on IMDb her star meter was number one, and I was like, it made That's me feel so good. <laughs> It made me feel so good because like we are bringing Alicia back and it was just, it was amazing. Obviously I can't take sole credit for that, but I just love that she's doing so well and she's just the best person I, I can hope to continue to work with her, you know, and for many years to come.
0: It makes me happy. So one thing I love doing is highlighting the the different variety of approaches to acting that there are out there. So I'll, I'll loop Justin in for this, too. Can you maybe specify something unique about the way that Justin, Alicia, and Benicio all approach their work, where it calls for something different from you as their actor's director?
2: It's a great question, by the way. Um, every actor in the movie approached their process completely different I actually don't think there was a single actor where I could be like oh yeah those two people are the same or those two people kind of communicated with me about their process their roles and what their character is doing the same it was every character every actor um was a very unique uh relationship with that I had with them um Justin is like is you know one of the greatest and biggest pop stars in the world, right? He's a, an amazing musician, but he's also a phenomenal actor. And he he really thinks about his character in the story in, in, in such deep ways. I can I can remember, like, leaving set and, like, being on the phone with him for, like, an hour and a half about, like, whatever we're going to do the next day and different ideas and, again, super thoughtful, but in different ways than Benicio, right? Like, they both – communicating with them is also very different. Like, you, you talk about things in a different way. Same thing with Alicia. Same thing with Michael Pitt, right? Like, Michael Pitt is – Um, you know, very immersive as an actor and um, speaking to him, even like getting him, you know, or or getting ready to do a scene, I would communicate with him very differently than I would with Justin. Also a lot of times Justin and and, um, Michael had scenes together, which was so amazing for me because I would, I would direct them very differently, right? Like I would go speak to Justin about what, you know, what we were going to do in a certain scene and then I'd go to Michael, he was standing outside smoking or whatever, and I would talk to Michael and I'd be like, listen, Michael, someone did this, and he and I would I would I would like completely change the way that I would talk about the scene. And then it was great because then you have these two very opposing, sort of diabolically different characters, right? You know, intrinsically completely just alien one another. And I think that's what makes those scenes so alive and, and, and have such a sort of a vitality to them is because you're seeing completely two different types of people from two different walks of life, two different approaches to acting sort of converge. And that to me was really exciting.
0: It's a great answer.
1: Uh, one of the things, listen, I, uh, I've, I touched on this with you previously, but I really enjoyed the way you moved the camera, especially in the first act. And because uh, I rewatched the film last night and there's like really methodical choice, like real choices in the first act with w- how the camera's going, especially just things that I noticed um, and how you do your edits, which is very abrupt. And so I'm curious, can you talk about being the, the, the moving camera on a on a tight schedule where I also know you didn't have a lot of time in prep to before you stepped on set and, you know, the way you chose to edit with those sharp edits?
2: So sharp being the operative word, and I appreciate you you seeing that because that's something we were going, I wanted something that would like slice right I wanted something caustic abrasive I want like the, that that really hard sharp um yeah razor sharp uh construction to the movie i I love like very classical camera moves like I'm very traditional like I love like when I watch older movies, I just love the way they move the camera like it's like very considered and it's very like. I don't know. To me, it's like a love letter to like all these movies from the past. But um, I I wanted that sort of uh yeah, that very sort of formal. Like I think we were talking about the first act. Like the first act is much more presentational. And then as the film progresses, the film gets within Benicio's character and it becomes much more immersive, long. We use longer lenses, more zooms. It's a little bit I don't want to say more loose, but it's certainly more like um within. Right. It's within a scene as opposed to objective right like as the movie begins we're much more outside of the world and we're sort of looking at it sort of voyeuristically and then it just sort of completely changes once the ha- like there's actually a shot halfway through the film spoiler where something happens with Benicio's character and he's being taken away in a police car and there's a shot of the farm field and there's a fence in between in the center of the frame and it's before you fade to black we see the car it's very far away from the camera just drive from the right side of the screen to the left side of the screen and we fade to black and you see, like, these cows on either side. But it's really, at that point in the movie, we're going from the first half of the film to the second half. And the film is completely changing, right? And at that point, at that point really, the way that I shot the movie is slightly different, right? Like, I'm, I'm not going to go into, like, how I shot the movie. But, like, we, we do – that's sort of the turning point, right, in terms of, like, the style that you're talking about. And it's funny because I watched The Killer last night. And Fincher does these amazing sonic transitions and cut points that I'm very fond of. Um, and certainly like there are similar sort of, uh, sharp edges to the way reptile has been edited and constructed. And that's just a taste thing. You know, it just, it just comes down to like how you want to, that was something that was even years ago before we shot the movie. I would, I knew that that was, that was going to be in the construction of the film. Just something that, again, like you were saying, why did you want to make this movie? It was like, well, I wanted to also employ those, those techniques cinematically because I've just loved them, you know?
0: So before we veer into spoiler territory, I wanted to ask you one broader question because we we always love highlighting as many people's work in this industry as possible. Can you name, other than The Killer, a recent movie you saw that inspired you and maybe even, I don't know, gives you hope for the future of this craft and industry?
2: That's a great question. A movie before I made Reptile or within the last couple? It could be any time. Like I'll take
0: moment. either. I'll okay. even take both if you have two examples. Yeah, I
2: have two examples. Let me just think about this for a second. Okay. I rewatched Shoeshine by DeSika. Um, it's 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 an older movie, obviously. He made it just before Bicycle Thieves. But that sort of sincere filmmaking, that just like – just about – that deals with the human condition and the corruption of youth and innocence. And it deals with things that are very primal. Um, and it's, it's just it, – it comes from such a a deep place in the soul. Um, and the storytelling is just so brilliant. The performances are like just unbelievable. Um, it just took my breath away. Another movie – okay, a more recent movie that I saw and loved. I rewatched Swimming Pool by Francois Zong, which was a movie that I loved in two thousand four is it 2004 when it no 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 2001 when it came out and i remember like i'm rewatching movies kind of like that i love from the past and i i love that movie and charlotte rambling is just incredible and i love that um the atmosphere and how that movie really takes its time and doesn't and again it just it's it's so it's so great i don't want to i was about to say the effort, i'm not gonna but one movie <laughs> i saw last night and i have to just shout out it was so inspiring was the killer and again no spoilers that movie's not out yet but um, I thought you were about to ask me: Is there a perform? When you said, um, "Do you want to give a shout out to someone?" I thought you were going to say, "Was there a performance?" Good and thing. actually, there's a performance of an actor in that movie that is so great. I mean, all the performances. But um, I believe her character name was Dolores, and uh, I wasn't familiar with with her as an actor before last night, before the movie. And she's so good in the movie. Though all the, all the performances in the movie were great. But shout out the killer. That movie's sensational. And I just can't wait for that movie to come out. Wait, wait, wait,
0: now I want to look up who plays Dolores. I, I, have,
1: I have a question. You're, you're telling me that David Fincher manages to get great performances out of people? That is shocking.
2: Well, you know what's so funny is that I think whenever I read about Fincher, obviously, I have a, my own relationship to his work because I've been influenced by Pitt for so long. But people always talk about, like, the sort of technical magnificence of his movies, which are undeniable, right? He's just a master technically in, in many ways. I mean, in every way. Um, but people don't talk about his performances, I, in my opinion. Like, when I read about his work, people, like, talk about, like, the imagery and all the sort of, like, directorial things that are going on in his movies and what he's what he's able to do um but i i really feel in all of his movies, specifically when i watched the killer last night oh my god it it might be my favorite michael Fassbender performance ever that i've seen him in. and it's so good and the performances are just like sensational and so i don't want to i don't want to no spoilers but like i i have a lot to say about that movie cuz it really moved me um and i, I had like a, a grin a smile on my face the whole time and it was just it's it's such a it's such a pleasure to watch his his work. And I'm, and I'm so excited that it's a movie that's going to be on Netflix. So, so many people are going to see it. And um, I think it's going to be a huge hit.
0: Carrie O'Malley plays Dolores. Just She's so amazing. everyone can jot her name down. And I'm going to be looking out for her when I see that movie now.
2: He's is amazing. Shout out, Carrie. Uh, I'm all for <laughs>
1: Listen, I've been pitching the government for something. And maybe you guys can help me make it happen. But I have always believed, especially the last few years, that anytime David Fincher has a new movie coming out, it should be a national holiday. Yes. 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 I'm on, I'm on that level. Uh, because I agree. Listen, it, it National holiday. I mean, I'm willing to do world holiday. But for now, I'll just take, you know, the United States.
2: Well, can we at least get him an Oscar? Because last night, the screening, they announced all of this collaboration collaborations like Oscar winner, Oscar winner, Oscar winner. And then Greatest director on the planet, David Fincher. That's what, the, that's what Elvis Mitchell said. And we all clap, and I'm thinking, how does he not have an Oscar? How does he not have an Oscar by now? It doesn't make sense.
1: Well, I, I'll say that he has not made that Oscar movie. He's not leaned into making a film that is an Oscar-type player. The fact of the matter is, if he wanted it, um, I believe he, he you know, he's so ridiculously talented that he just hasn't, he hasn't played the game and he hasn't made a film that's like an Oscar film. Perry, I don't know if you want to tell me. I feel like in hindsight,
0: like in hindsight we could say that a bunch about a bunch of his films that they were deserving.
1: With Mank, it was uh, something that maybe could have been something, but the other thing is like, look, I mean, there's incredible movies this year and um, you know, only one is going to win best picture. It's going to probably be Oppenheimer you know, uh, Nolan is going to, you know, remember Nolan hasn't gotten anything either.
2: So, you know, right. right. you know, know. Um, what was 2007 Zodiac? That was, I know that was a crowded year with there'll be blood, no country, Michael Clayton, I believe was 2007. Um, you had uh, 2007 was also um, that Noah back movie, uh, Margo at the wedding. Right. It was like a very, oh, great-
0: um Oh, I can't believe I'm not going to remember the name. 2007.
2: Yeah. 2007. was a huge year for movies. Um, did 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 what year was The Departed? Well, no, that was earlier. That was 2004.
1: Oh, I don't remember.
2: I don't know. Uh, the point is that was I understand. I mean, Zodiac to me is is <laughs> certainly worthy of that. But um, listen, we don't have to. It, this isn't the 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 how come David Fincher hasn't won an Oscar episode, although it should be. But. Um, I, I listen. I, I think I certainly felt like Mink was deserving of that. And I don't remember what won that year. What, what who won Best Director? But um, when I watched Mink the first time, it was like I, I I couldn't even. It was like a marvel, like an actual unbelievable marvel, cinematic marvel. Is it was like just listen, you know.
1: again? National. Louis Zhao won that year. Oh, uh, okay. National holiday when Fincher has a new coming uh, new movie coming out. Yep,
2: yeah, let's do it.
0: <laughs> All right, done deal. We're going to make it happen. We manifested it. And now it is time to talk about reptile spoilers. So if you have not watched the movie, now is the time to push pause on the video. You go watch it on Netflix, then you come back and push play. And the video begins right here. It's that easy. It's that great. All right, first question that I wanted to throw in this section so you can answer it freely What is the biggest difference between draft one of this screenplay and what we now see in the final film?
2: the first draft was much more ambiguous, much more like leaving things, to the audience's imagination. Um, it was more lost highway in tone, like really unnerving and mysterious and sort of out of reach. And then um, the movie that you saw is, I think there there are a lot of things that are similar, um, but there's um, much more clarity in terms of, uh, certain things specifically in the last act, and uh, you know, earlier drafts had a different ending. You know, the biggest thing was that it had a much, mm-hmm. a, a much more ambiguous ending where you sort of don't know what happens, and it's it's more internal and perhaps a little bit more cerebral um, and left to the viewer's imagination. And I think that um, yeah, so that's the biggest difference, I'd say.
1: Okay. I, I want to follow up on that. Was it you got? Was it Benicio's notes? or like a producer note that caused that change to get to where audiences see what they see, or did you realize along the way, maybe this is too, you know, this, this might be too much for like a, a, a mainstream audience.
2: I think, I mean, certainly like once, um, you know, you develop a script with the producers, right. Who have like, Uh, uh, you know, come to the the movie from a different perspective, right? Both loving the vision, but also like wanting to make it work for a large audience. And certainly once Netflix comes on board, it's like, wow, you know, we as the filmmakers are much more conscious of like, this has to, this is going to play for a lot of people, right? It's like, I compare it to like, okay, you watch, like imagine the Velvet Underground, um, you know, playing a small club in like the late sixties, right? In downtown New York, their performance is going to change same songs, but when they play the Hollywood Bowl, because you're, you're going to play the same music, but you're going to, you're going to, um, you're going to modulate how you perform the song slightly different depending on the size of the audience. Right. And I think that there was certainly some calibration there, um, you know, where we started to realize, yeah, I just like the form, the format, right. Like how this was going to play for, for different people, but I think it was also just like what we felt was right, like where we want the story to go. When you, when you work on this, when you work on a movie, again, I can't speak for everyone, but from just speaking from, from, from me, um, it, it's a process where like your understanding of the material changes, the more you look at it and the more you think about it. Right. And you sort of think about, you know, this isn't a cerebral work. It's not a literary work. It's a work that an audience is going to be sitting with these characters and they're going to get invested in them. And you're going to want to know certain things or else you want to, you're going to feel cheated, right? Or like cheated, not just by the characters, but by the filmmaker, by the movie. And you want to leave, you want to, you want to just be conscious of how you're, um, of the audience's perception. It's the same thing with like, why do I do certain edits? It's because I want the, I want it to strike and I want that feeling for the viewer, right? It's not just because I like it as the, you know, in the editing room, it's because I understand that it's gonna have a certain um, effect for the viewer. So you're always thinking about how an audience is going to engage with the movie. And again, it's just these are things that just evolved over time. But yes, I think from the first draft all the way to the movie you saw the ending was was different.
1: It also, just to, to point like for for people realizing, like it also comes down to are you making is your because if you could have made the movie that you're talking about but it would have played to far less people. You would have had to make it on a much lower budget and you would have been considered Lynchian rather than, you know what I mean? Like you'd be setting a path that for a completely different trajectory, if you had chosen to make it the way you originally designed it.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, I'm always straddling as a, as a person, as an artist, like I have more probably fringe tastes musically, right. than most people, like I love very experimental music, and I've always my whole life sort of l- sort of leaned into sort of more, you know, uh, left of center things. But yet I'm now, at least in this instance, I'm making a movie or making movies that are more commercial, right? So I'm always going to sort of imbue my artistic sensibilities or more, my more sort of out there things, but I'm doing it in a more um, – in in a more mainstream vein. Right. So it's just that it's that right balance. You know, it's, it's also where you are. Maybe one day I will make more of a sort of like really heavy feeling less narrative, um, less, you know, whatever movie, but right. You know, with this instance, it was just, that was the movie to make, you know,
1: I apologize for, for uh, pulling us on to a, a side street, but jumping back into spoilers, so was it always, and there's a big spoiler, was it always going to be Justin that was the, the killer?
2: Yeah, who orchestrated his, uh, his, uh, his girlfriend's death. Yeah, that was always the same. I mean, the, 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 um, like the tentpoles of the story never changed, right? It wasn't like we changed. We like, approached things from scenes, cert- certainly from different ways, but the, the general story was always the same.
0: Here's my super specific question that I teed up earlier because I saw I saw this on Reddit and I'm like, oh, it's kind of right. Are the colors that all of the characters wear specific to who they are and their intentions in the movie?
2: No, but I did see something like that. That's one of the things where I was like, wow, people really read into those things. I would say most of the, again, that's a question for my costume designer. <laughs> she might be like, absolutely <laughs> And I, and I don't want to answer that, actually, because I want to let Amanda um, take responsibility for that. Because if she were doing that, that wasn't – I don't remember if we had specific conversations. I know we had certain conversations in terms of like maybe color things, you know, in terms of, you know, color stories with each character. Um, those conversations are a little distant in my memory, so I don't want to speak on that. But I think actually Amanda, who – you should speak to. She might have a better answer to that. But yes, I, I did read I did read that. And again I was like those are when I'm like, Oh man, this is people really engage with the movie. They're going color beat by beat. That's pretty cool.
0: I re-scrubbed through and tried to like line everything up. I'm like, oh, well, this kinda makes sense. And I purposely didn't wear blue because of that post.
2: <laughs> well, by the way, you know, now that I now that you said I do remember Amanda and I having conversations about the color for specific characters. So I think yeah, that was something that she was doing. But again, I don't take credit for that. That's more her. So
1: uh, so one of the things about this film, just like every film, is where do you actually stop? Where, what is those closing shots? So I'm curious, did you, was there ever a debate on the film ending with Benicio shot on the chair? Or was it like, where? how did you decide? Because it goes a little further with, you know, Justin on the golf course and, you know, Benicio in the kitchen. So how did you decide exactly where you wanted to end it? And was it possibly ever something else?
2: Yes. So there was, um, there were discussions about like, okay, so when we shot the scene with like the little kids, at the window, which is kind of like, again, very aligned tonally with what we're doing with the rest of the movie with the home renovation with just all the stuff with the characters. Again, it's like teeter on like evil and unnerving, but also with like a warmth and a little bit of a levity that's like the film's sort of wavering between various tones that felt like very aligned with the tone of the rest of the movie. And then you have like this, he's calling nine one one. Right. And he's just like, She's like, you know, 911, what's your emergency? And then you see the Tony, you see that, you know, you're on Benicio's face. and It's such an incredible performance, right? With his face right there. And you could end the movie. We actually tried in the edit. We were like playing around. My editor, Kevin Hickman, shout out Kevin, he's amazing. We were like playing with it. We're like, wow, you could just cut to black here. That's pretty striking, you know? Um, But again, these are then conversations you have with your collaborators. Like, okay, well, you know, taking the audience and like, what is that going to do? for the perspective of the audience. Yes, it's a striking ending, but is the, audience, is the audience going to feel like, well, what happened to Justin? Right. Are they going to like, what happened to, you know, are they going to, and it felt like I do this sort of thing in the kitchen, you know, that like is a little bit of like an epilogue. Um, that's like intercuts this thing with Justin and Benicio in the kitchen. I and mean, I love the metaphor of the, of the paraffin of him healing. Right. And then he's sort of shedding the skin as the wound. And then he, you know, with the, with the faucet at the end, it just felt like just worked, you know, and it's think- like, Again, you you could end the movie with him at, you know, looking at the kids and at that window and staying in that room. Um, But for various reasons, we we decided to to do the ending that you guys that went to end up making the cut.
0: I did want to ask about the touchless faucet and choosing that as your final frame, but not even just choosing that as your final image, but figuring out precisely how long that shot should be
2: was so a very quick shot. The camera's on a dolly. We I mean, 99.9%. By the way, shout out Dwayne, our dolly grip, who I met, who, who's also Fincher's dolly grip, who, who did the killer. I, he sat right behind me at the screening last night. Love him. These guys don't get the credit that they deserve, right? There's like these people, all those camera, all those moves that you guys like, that we like, that I like. There's people operating the camera um, and who are responsible for just how clean and sharp and beautiful they are. Um, and actually, I'm not sure if... Uh, I, I'm not sure if Dwayne did that shot. I'm not sure if there was someone else. Anyway, because we had a, you know, uh, anyway, the point is, because he he left a few days early to do the, um, the killer. But um, uh, going back to that shot, um, what I like about that shot is that the camera sort of starts, like with Benicio as he's walking away from Alicia and it's like a move and then we kind of land in our B position. And right when we land, it's like that perfect time where he does the hand thing. And if you notice it, it's like on a beat, Right. On the Dylan song, it's on a beat. He doesn't finish the hand. It kind of like goes. So it's like a it's kind of like, Steve, what you were saying earlier, these kind of like sharp cuts. It's like we end the movie on a cut that's very similar to what we were doing earlier in the movie, which is it's these whooshes. Right. These very sharp things where you're cutting before the shot really ends. It's just stylistically and aesthetically something that I'm drawn to as a as a viewer and that I like to do as a maker as well. You know.
1: I'm I'm curious when the film is successful, like after three weeks, you know, being number one, um, does Netflix actually call you and say, do you want to do more with Benicio's character? Or how much is it sort of like, you know, this is a contained story. It was good. Got, you know, people like it and let's move on to something else.
2: I, I've never had any conversations with Netflix about, um, uh, you know, opening up this story of reptile. So, I mean, if there are conversations, no one's reached out to me about that. Um, But, you know, I think the film is very self-contained and I don't know, you know, what you would, I mean, at this moment on, you know, whatever day this is at, at whatever time um, I haven't thought about, you know, um, a different iteration of the story or in a different, you know, either past or the future. So I, I don't know. You know, I think everyone's just very happy that um, the movie found has found its audience and it's finding its audience and um, across the globe. And that's really exciting. So I think we're just happy with just the reception that it's been getting, you know, from people watching the movie. And, and it's certainly a word of mouth movie without the actors having to um, promote the movie. Um, this is a movie that's really found its audience from word of mouth, you know. And um, that's a great feeling that this is a movie that like, you know there wasn't this like crazy big thing. It wasn't like you had all these actors going on TV shows. And so it kind of just found it's, it's found its footing and that's really exciting. You know,
0: that'd be a really nice way to end the interview, but I want to squeeze in one more specific thing. (laughs) I have to ask you about the, the not even just the Frisbee shot, but the idea of incorporating the Frisbee that way at all. What inspired that? Was that in the draft from the very beginning?
2: No, that was, that was later that came later. Um, It was a conversation that we had and, um, um i remember like i there's all these like acts of god in the movie right like have had benicio not like drop the binder right like in the beginning of the is it this it's like kind of mid mid mid-second act like and he kind of sees the bites he might not have reopened the case it was like this moment where it just like fell out and these two bite marks and he puts them together and it kind of gets his brain thinking and there's this idea of like kids playing outside the house which we love, this idea. Like, that's me. I'm putting myself in the movie, which like, this is my first film. I'm just playing. And at the end of the movie, we actually had a shot, by the way. It's not included. We're like, the, the Frisbee does like the sort of 2001 A Space Odyssey thing. And it just felt like way, it just felt like a little bit too indulgent, you know? Uh, but I, the shot is excuse my language, effing amazing. It is like one of my favorite shots. Benicio and I always like, we have a still of it, the Frisbee that we text each other just because we love that shot and then the image. Uh, it's so funny um, and bizarre. But um, the reason I bring it up is that when it hits the thing, it's this act of God, right? That causes this convergence between these two characters. And at the end of the movie, you have these kids make eye contact with Benicio. And that's the moment where Me as a director, I am making eye contact with my lead actor, and we have this moment of like connection, right? And it's just a way to sort of impart my own experience making the movie into the narrative. You know what I mean? And it's a little, it's a, it's that's that was where that came from.
0: I love that thinking.
1: I should also say that you are on social media, so down the road, not right now, uh, you should release that that the that shot of the two thousand one on like Instagram or Twitter. You know, just for the
2: yeah, just for the hell of it. One day, maybe one day in a few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's a it's a it's a cool shot. But again, there's by the way, making a movie. I know we have to end, but like there are so many things that I loved that just like made on the cutting room floor. They're like great shots that like oh my god, this is so cool. But they're just they don't make it. That was one of those cool shots. But again, you have to make. You don't want to make a movie that's indulgent, like you know. Um, and I didn't want to. I didn't want that moment felt like. It just didn't feel appropriate to indulge the viewer. I'm always shooting things like, "Oh my god, that's cool!" "Oh my god, that's cool!" "Oh my god!" And it's like you you can't have all these "oh my gods" and and or else it detracts away from the storytelling and becomes more about the filmmaker. You know what I mean? It becomes more about like, look at what I can do, and 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 you want to be a little bit more. Or I want to be a little bit more invisible. You know, in terms of my hand in in specific sequences. You know,
1: I've I've actually. All right, Steve, last call. Well, I was just going to say that I've spoken to some directors who've talked about how it was an expensive sequence. I was convinced it was the best thing we shot in the movie. It's eight minutes, and we had to lose it in the editing room because it just didn't work in the movie, even though the filmmaking was, um, like, everything about it was amazing. It just didn't work in the movie.
2: Exactly. And those that's actually one of the hardest things to do as a, as a director is when you're like – They're like, I killed this sequence. I just like, this shot is everything I love about cinema, but it's just doesn't fit or it's just, but it's one of the things you have to do. It's just part of the process, you know, but yeah.
0: So it goes, you back pocket those ideas and you do them on the next Exactly,
2: exactly, next time.
0: (laughs) All right, we gotta let you go, Grant. Thank you for your time today. Thank you guys so much, it was great. Congratulations.
2: Thank you, thank you. Take care, guys.
0: All right, thanks for everyone out there watching uh, this edition of Collider Dailies. Have a wonderful week, and everyone, we'll see you bright and early Monday morning for a brand new episode.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen